Psalm 88 in the voice translation. O eternal one, O true God, my Savior, I cry out to you all the time under the sun and the moon. Let my voice reach you. Please listen to my prayers. My soul is deeply troubled, and my heart can't bear the weight of this sorrow. I feel so close to death. I'm like the poor and helpless who die alone, left for dead, as good as the unknowable sea of souls lying under our feet, forsaken by him and cut off from his hand, abandoned among the dead who rest in their graves. And you have sent me to be forgotten with them in the lowest pits of the earth and the darkest canyons of the ocean. You crush me with your anger. You crash against me like the relentless angry sea. To those whom I have known, who have been with me, you've gathered like the sheaves and cast to the four winds. They can't bear to look me in the eye, and they are horrified when they think of me. I'm in a trap and cannot be free. My eyes grow dim, weakened by this sickness. It is taking my strength from me. Like a worn cloth, my hands are unfolded before you daily, O eternal one. Are you the miracle worker for the dead? Will they rise from the dark shadows to worship you again? Will your great love be proclaimed in the grave or your faithfulness be remembered in whispers like mist throughout the place of ruin? Are your wonders known in the dominion of darkness or is your righteousness recognized in a land where all is forgotten? But I'm calling out to you, eternal one. My prayers rise before you with every new sun. Why do you turn your head and brush me aside, O eternal one? Why are you avoiding me? Since the days of my youth, I have been sick and close to death. My helpless soul has suffered your silent horrors. Now I am desperate. Your rage spills over me like rivers of fire. Your assaults have all but destroyed me. They surround me like a flood rising throughout the day, closing in from every direction. You have taken from me the one I love and my friend. Even the light of my acquaintances are darkness. This is the word of the Lord. So this morning we're going to talk about the third directive, process. But before I get into that, I just want to say this. I just, um, the music this morning was just beautiful. I mean, just absolutely meaningful. And, and, I, and as we were going through this uh, service this morning, I just felt like a sense of we are all together and we, are, um, we love one another, but I, I sense a heaviness too. Uh, just as we read the scripture this morning about lament. So I just let me just say this to us this morning. I was raised in a tradition that taught us that when you came to church on Sunday morning, you leave all of your worries and your hurts and your troubles at the door before you come into church. Put that aside and just focus on Jesus. How many of you were raised in a tradition like that? Yeah. You have permission not to do that ever again at Imago. It comes right in here with you. Because the truth of the story is we are not capable of doing that. It comes in here with us. All the hurt, all the rejections, all the disappointments, the failures, the mess-ups, they are here with us. And Jesus accepts us right at that moment in our lives, and we don't have to dismiss that at the front door. Absolutely. On our website, it says that we are a people of strong convictions and passionate ideals, but we are equally committed to living in relationship and respecting the beliefs of our sacred siblings. Because of this commitment, we practice full inclusion. No one at Imago Day will be limited or dismissed because of their socioeconomic status, background, race, sexual orientation, marital status, gender, or any other label. 
And so our process directive says we honor everyone's journey of faith. We exist to walk alongside people as they seek to discover deeper levels of faith and intimacy with God wherever they are in the process, whether spiritually seeking or spiritually mature. Now, I get that in this particular directive, that language at the very end, spiritually seeking and spiritually mature, it's a little clunky. And I just want to acknowledge that because we've all had conversations about, eh, maybe we could make that sound a little better or flow a little bit that more accurately represents who we are. But we're not going to focus on that today. But I do want to get that elephant out of the room. To honor everyone's journey of faith is so messy. If we're trying to respect one another and where they are in their walk with God, or no walk with God at all, but just curious, that gets messy. We all come from such diverse religious backgrounds or non-religious backgrounds. There are so many represented in this room. Uh, we have Lutherans and Episcopalians and uh, Catholics, Apostolic, Charismatics. We have agnostics and we have atheists and we have everything in between. Our ideals of what church should look like, it's all over the map. But we want voices to be heard. That is important at Imago. And it gets complicated sometimes. And it's not without its uh, doubts and insecurities and anxieties. I get it. This is not the way that I have done church before. It's different. Now, I grew up, most of you know, in Southern Baptist churches. And uh, any other Southern Baptist folk in the house? Oh, good. <laughs> so, in Southern Baptist church life, it's supposedly congregationally led. But then practice, that's not the way it turns out. It's really deacon-led. Uh, and by deacon, I mean the one, uh, the most influential personal deacon on the board and also I mean by the one I mean the one that has the deepest pockets they are typically the ones that have the biggest say in what goes on in a Southern Baptist church it's a terribly unhealthy process I have been in seven Southern Baptist churches my entire life I've been Church of Christ I have been Methodist uh, I've been cooperative Baptist and now I'm an interdenominational person but Southern Baptist is my primary experience in doing church in that way, where you rely on the personality to kind of guard, to guard, the, guard the church and guide the church and a pastor and then an influential, wealthy deacon to kind of help make decisions, that turns out to be a very unhealthy thing. Now, no doubt there are Southern Baptist churches that have done well at this and are doing well at this. I'm, not, I'm just saying that in my experience, it's been a little bit challenging. In, in Southern Baptist churches, as far as respecting everyone's faith journey, Mm. Not really. I was in a church uh, in Haleyville, Alabama, and the pastor had asked me to start teaching a class where men and women were in the class. I was 35. It's the first time I'd ever done that, and I did. We moved to a church in Huntsville, Alabama that was an independent Baptist church. I forgot to throw that one in there. I've been an independent Baptist too. And we were having a conversation with the pastor and his wife, and um, something came up about teaching, and... Um, I said, yeah, at my previous church, I taught a, in a general adult class on this, that, or the other. And he looked me dead in the eye. Two years younger than me, by the way. Let me just say that. Looks me dead in the eye, and he said, that will never happen in this church. Duly noted. 
We didn't last there very long. Journeys of faith were nice and all, but if yours varied from the herd, particularly if the lens that you interpreted the Bible with was different from theirs, you were suspect. And you could eventually be labeled as someone who doesn't believe the Bible. Because I've had someone say that to me to my face, sitting in a deacon's meeting, meeting with my good friend Rob Collins at First Baptist Peoria right now. We were both accused to our face of not believing the Bible. It was a fun time, good times. In a Southern Baptist church, there are specific doctrines um, that you had to line up with or you were denied a seat at the table. Now, if you go to any SBC church website and look up their doctrines and beliefs, most of them have them on there. You have to embrace those without equivocation or no soup for you. I'm just laying out facts. You could attend those churches, certainly tithe, especially tithe, sing in the choir, keep the nursery, help with audio and sound, but serving in any capacity of leadership wasn't going to happen if you were a little bit outside that mold. There are good things in Southern Baptist churches. I have good friends that are there that are serving the Lord in beautiful and wonderful ways. They do good, they do good things. But I think that a lot of our church traditions are along those lines of there are doctrinal statements, church covenants, and so forth. It, we need a certain set of beliefs to rally around, a set of beliefs that we can all adhere to, believe in. We need certainty. We don't do well with mystery. We need good, bad, black, white. We struggle with gray, with the idea that maybe both sides are good or bad. We crave an organizational structure that always has the answers and, definit and definitively tells us where that line is. Don't cross that one. That's not okay. But as most of you know by now, or you wouldn't be here, Imago is different. We are intentionally different. We have been in church structures that were set up similarly to this, and we want to find something more meaningful than that, something more life-giving. I would love for Imago to be the place, and I think it currently is, a place where rebels and outcasts and doubters and so-called heretics and religiously unaffiliated and the nuns can find a, not the Catholic nuns, the N-O-N-E. <laughs> Just have to say that. Can find a safe place to wrestle with God and their faith. A place to find a family. Some of us at Imago might have experienced some rejection from people that we've loved in our church, other church homes or in our families. We may have lost friends. I have. I've lost aunts and uncles. I've lost friends that I was friends with for 20 years just because I saw the Bible differently than they did. That might be your story too. And if it is, Imago is a safe place for you. And so here we are. A bunch of ragamuffins, as Brennan Manning said. Ragamuffins are smart people who know they are stupid and honest disciples who admit they are scalawags. Or, as Manning also said, Aristotle said, I am a rational animal. I say I am an angel with an incredible capacity for beer. You certainly can't say that out loud in a Southern Baptist church. We get it wrong here at Imago. We don't have all the answers. We don't have certainty. We, we have no misguided notions that Satanhood awaits us. 
But this is who we are and who we all are. We get it wrong. We don't always love people in the way that they deserve to be loved, and we don't always make the best choices. We don't always choose to be still and know that God is God, and we are not always the most patient. We are messy, and we choose to honor one another's process on this journey of faith, no matter how different it is from one another. Richard Rohr says that we grow spiritually much more by doing it wrong than by doing it right. Let's talk about spiritual growth for a minute, this process of spiritual growth. I'm going to ask you a question, and this is where the, the, uh, the, scripture discuss, the sermon discussion comes in. But I'm going to give you an example first to give you a minute to think about some things. Do we grow spiritually by adhering to a list of do's and don'ts? Think about that. My example is this. My faith tradition said that drinking alcohol was wrong. You couldn't drink a sip. I mean, I went 18 years without a sip because my people, my tribe, said that it was bad if I, if I did it, and if I did it, I was bad. Did the Bible tell me not to ever drink alcohol? No. The Bible says don't be drunk. Did I grow spiritually because of that adherence? I really don't think so. Did I think I was morally superior around people who did drink a beer or a glass of wine? You bet I did. Now, here's another thing. Let me just throw this out here before we move on from that. If you have an addictive personality or if alcoholism runs in your family, that's a whole other conversation. I'm not dismissing that reality. But I am saying that adhering to that don't, I don't really know how much that contributed to any spiritual growth I might have had. Maybe for someone else it's different. Maybe that, maybe that abstinence has helped you grow spiritually. But here at Imago, we can embrace it either way or a third or fourth way. It's okay. So now my question to you is, do we grow spiritually by adhering to a list of do's and don'ts? That's a good point. Andy says that it's good to have a structure in the beginning, especially as new believers, but we need to, we need to be uh, teaching people to hold that more loosely because that may change over time. Yes, absolutely. Vicki says that we, uh, we do need some spiritual disciplines in our life, but if we do them with intention, and if we, if we don't have an intention behind it, we could have a quiet time every morning of our life for 40 years and never be changed by it, right? Yes, Kelly. Well, I was just going to say, because it's great about mm-hmm. Yes. Kelly says there's good th- there is good in discipline, but not blind discipline. Know why you're doing it or not doing it. Yes, Maggie. And you just, I, I think it erases a lot of things, but... Maggie says to think of it as a parent, that there are things that we need to teach our children, you know, kind of, kind of the ropes in life, but, uh, but to have intention behind it, do it with meaning and purpose. Yes. Yes, and as Mandy says, not everything works for everyone, right? Yes. Would you think one of the hardest parts about bringing community to Imago is how do we coexist together as Christians? That's right. Corey makes a really good point that it becomes a little tricky when my list of do's and don'ts are different from yours, and we try to live together in community as a family. 
we all have a list of do's and don'ts, whether we want to believe it or not or acknowledge it or not, right? And um, I think examining the reason why we do that or don't do that would be a healthy way to, to look at it. That's a good point. Vicki mentions that there's two opportunities if you're interested to kind of explore this idea a little bit further in the Tuesday night class that Mandy is leading uh, and also when we do Eat, Drinks, and Orthodoxy on once a month um, at uh, the pizza place, Pizza Works, sorry, Peoria Heights. We get into these kind of conversations. They're important. A lot of us are in the process of unlearning some things, right? probably at Imago because some things weren't necessarily working for you anymore and you want to learn some new things and maybe unlearn some things that have not really worked for you very well. Process. We respect one another's process, just like Corey said, even though it may look different from mine. For some of us, a list of do's and don'ts help us form some kind of discipline and we have needed those to help us get to where we needed to be. But just because that was my conviction does not mean that I should criticize or, you, criticize or judge you for it. It worked for you, just like Mandy said. And I should honor this. I always would say, and I got in a lot of trouble for this, talking about submitting to your husbands, which is pretty much a very big deal in Southern Baptist life. And I would always say, as I was leaning more and more and more out of that teaching, I would say, if the husband being the head of your family, if that works in your marriage and it's life-giving to both of you, do it. And there are some people that it does. And I don't have the right to tell you, oh my goodness, you should not be doing that. No. If it works for you, yay. But then respect those of us that say, you know what, that didn't work so well for me. The three circles of our identity, hold on just a second. The three circles of our identity, community, mission, and practices, are found in our logo. These circles, all unique yet intersecting, work together in our spiritual formation as we aim to be formed in the, mission of, in the image of Christ. Richard Rohr says that the circle is an appropriate geometric shape to describe the shape of God in reality. Not a box, not a triangle. A circle. Rohr goes on to say that the circle has no beginning, no end, so, any, so one can enter at any place or stage. There are no doctrinal statements that anybody will ask you to pledge to here at Imago before we let you teach somebody or keep a nursery or whatever. The way that I see God, the way that I interpret the scriptures, the way I relate to Jesus, you are not expected to see that in the same way or do that in the same way, or believe that in the same way. We are messy. We try to love people well, but we don't always succeed because we are messy. We are trying to seek the heart of God in all that we do, but we don't always hit that mark. We are not certain. We don't have all the answers. How many times have you heard that from a pulpit? Because here's the truth of the matter. I don't. I don't have all the answers. I have one or two, maybe. I was asked when I was interviewed by Vicki, I believe, what is the one thing I know to be true? It was along those lines. This is what I know to be the truth. Jesus loves me, this I know. 
That's what I've got. The rest we can talk about, right? We are a circle at Imago. And anyone can enter at any place or stage. And you are family. We're going to have a time of Q&A. And Justin's going to come up. Justin and Maggie will come up. And Mandy's going to lead them in that time. Good morning, everyone. My name is Mandy Campen. I help serve on the spiritual formation team here at Imago. And I'll just be facilitating conversation with Justin and Maggie. Um, do you guys each want to tell just like really briefly like how long you've been at Imago and a little bit about what you do here? Um, so my name is Maggie. My pronouns are uh, she, her, they, them. Um, I've been at Imago with my partner, Matt, since February. Um, we started on the line. And I'm Justin Ganshaw. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, and I've been here since the first Sunday when we started 2008. Thanks, guys. Um, so we're just going to go over the same three questions that we have been, um, but today we're going to be talking about the process directive that Melinda read. Um, so we'll start off just by asking um, for each of you, tell us a little bit about what that directive means to you and um, kind of how you interpret it as far as being a part of Imago here. Okay, it's, it's so meaningful to me because it defines what this community is. I don't know of any other church, in the, at least in this area, that honors and respects everyone's journey as unique. And I remember years and years ago, somebody from the leadership team up here talking about the directives, and it was about what are the fewest number of things that we need to agree on to be a tribe together, a, a tribe of believers that loves and encourages and supports each other without causing division. And so... To me, it's the most important thing about Imago is that it doesn't matter where you are on the journey, if you haven't even started the journey, if you think you're at the end of the journey, but you're about to realize that it's going to take a, a bend. Uh, I think it's so, uh, so core to who we are. Um, yeah, I think um, I agree with what Justin said. I um, I grew up never thinking that you could question anything about the church or anything about God or anything about how anything worked ever. These were the rules, and that was that. There was no questions asked. Um, if you did question, you did not believe correctly or at all. Um, and I remember actually being at a um, our last church um I somehow got on to talking about my whole life story because that happens. And the pastor there just looked at me and he said, aren't you angry? Aren't you angry with God? And I literally said, I didn't know that I could be. I didn't know that was a thing. Um, this is the first place I've, I've been through a couple different um, journeys, spiritual journeys. And this was, yeah, the very first place that I think ever asked, hey, where are you on your journey is there anything we can do to help you um, get to the next place? Is there anything we can, are there any resources we can give you? Is there any conversations we can have with you? Um, they really, uh, I've felt very seen and very much like um, they were just ready to be there, partner up with you and help you any way that they could or just let you, just let you be to figure it out. 
editorialize a little bit. Um, when we talk about process, uh, just to make sure that we're very, very clear, we're not saying there is a process and you can be anywhere on that line. When we're talking about process, we're talking about what is your approach to connection with the divine? How do you understand scripture and Jesus? We're talking about the whole process. Like, what does it mean to have a faith journey that you're following? So um, just to be very clear as we talk about that, we're not talking about there being, you can be anywhere on this spectrum. We're talking about whichever spectrum is leading you into truth and love and, and change and redemption. So um, with that being maybe unnecessarily said, but said nonetheless, um, can you each talk a little bit about how you see, have seen, that directive play out, whether you've been here for a few months or for years, how do you see that that directive playing out in the body of Imago and for you as a part of that body? I'll go first this time. Um, kind of just like I said, um, just from being uh, welcomed into the church, um, having lunch with one of the pastors and being asked, you know, where we were at on our journey being listened to about all the things that we had experienced in the past and how that has shaped a lot of our spirituality. Um, I also think that it, the, um, the sermons and the Sunday morning talks itself are really important. Um, we came from a church where uh, we had like a, like a levels of sermons. So this is for the baby Christians. This is for the more advanced Christians. And there wasn't anything in between. Um, and I think I appreciate these, uh, the series that we do, the talks that we have, the sermons that we listen to a lot because they are not directed like that. They're not directed at, well, this is for the more spiritually sound people. It meets you where you're at, and that's very, um, that paints the picture of the church itself. The church itself really meets you where you're at, including if you're angry with God, but you want to be a part of a community. Melinda definitely touched on that when she called out the language at the very end of the directive. Um, we just don't have a better way to say what we're saying there, but just to be clear, I have never heard anyone at Imago during my time here talk about people being spiritually new or spiritually mature. It's just the best language we had at the time. So please understand that, that we don't really use those buckets so much because most of us have been both of those things. And then as Justin alluded to, they crash down and everything starts over. So uh, the cyclical nature of this is really, really important. Um, but again, I'm just adding a little bit, probably unnecessarily to what Melinda said. Um, so with that, Justin. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think for me, how I've seen it played out is the intentionality that's put into not just the sermon series, but all the other formational opportunities to get involved and explore your faith and who you are. And since you quoted Aristotle, I'll quote Socrates, and he said, first, know thyself. And for me, one of the most formational things was our exploration of the Enneagram, which was, I don't know, six, seven years ago now. Um, and we had some workshops here to understand what is the Enneagram, and if you don't know, it's a, a personality typing that puts you in a one of nine archetypes that is all about your motivations, what motivates you, drives you, how do you interact with other people. And it was, for me, it was formational in understanding who I am because of where I came from and who I am today, and also um, how that shapes my view of God, how I interact with 
my wife and my family and my coworkers, and it, it really did change my life in a lot of different ways. And that started here at the church, and now we use it in business and everything else. Um, so that's that's one example, and I think we're always looking for other opportunities because it's not something that should be stagnant. You should always have a curiosity about what do things mean, why do they mean something to you, and if you don't explore and understand what you believe and why you believe it, then I think that's that's where we start to put up walls between us and other people within our own tribe, and uh, I think that's something unique about Imago is that intentional, continuous seeking of, of what's next. Um, so the, the third question is, how do you see this directive playing out in future days for Imago? Or um, just to add some uh, imagination into it, how would you like to see that play out at Imago in the coming days? Great. That's, this is the tough one for for me, anyways, to, to be looking into the future. So um, we're we're in a new chapter of the church, which I don't think is a secret. And to me, that's really exciting to think about what's next, where are we going to go? And I don't have any really clear answers, but I know that it's going to be good because of the people in this room and the people watching online. And I have no doubts that God is going to move in those those people and those ideas and, and wherever you're being pulled. Because that's where a lot of our ministries have come from, is one person felt a pull and brought other people around them, and it's led to really beautiful things happening. So my hope is that we continue to attract people that are drawn to the, the, mes the message and the vision and the mission and the community of Imago Day. And I don't know what those things are. But I am confident that they're gonna they're gonna happen. That was kind of a cop out. Sorry. Um, I would say that I think um, I like thought about all this and then I listened to Justin talk and now it's gone. Um, <laughs> I think that I would really like to see or what I what I see Imago being what I see Imago being now and in the future is um, a genuine place of of refuge for people in our area. Um, there are people, um, listen, when you're in the grocery store line, people don't really want to talk to you about Jesus. That's, I'm just going to be honest, not everybody really wants to talk to you about Jesus. And I came from a church where, like, that was where you needed to talk to someone about Jesus was in the grocery store line, and that was not my jam. And it's not other people's jam either. But um, there are real people in our community, many people in our community who have been hurt by the church, who have been hurt by um, what, who they believe that God is. And this place, this church, this building does not, this community does not shy away from that. We understand that wholeheartedly because many of the people in this room have been in that exact same position. Many people in this room have probably have been angry with God. Um, and there are so many people in our community that believe that that's not right to, to feel the way that they feel. So what I see for this church is that it can be a place of refuge for those people that say, hey, it's okay if you don't fully believe in God right now. It's, that's, that's okay. It's okay if you don't fully believe in these things because you've been hurt and you've been told something different and, and so on and so forth. I think that that's an important place for us to be, and I think that's where we are and where we will continue to be, that 
you know, we just continue to love on people no matter if they are full-fledged believers, if they're still struggling with that belief and things like that. So a real place of refuge um, for everyone, genuinely everyone, no matter where they are, is where I see we are now and where we will continue to grow. Thank you so much. Um, and uh, just as a member of the formation team, just want to encourage anybody listening, anybody who's here, if you aren't sure where you are and that's a question you feel like you need to answer, um, that's where things like the formation community can come in, Eat, Drinks, and Orthodoxy, the different book discussions and classes. Um, you can just ask somebody on leadership to get coffee, and we love asking uncomfortable questions, most of us, so you'll get a lot of opportunity to think through those if you want to meet with any of us. Um, but just know that, that whether you believe, don't believe, don't know if you believe, um, this is a space for you to have a community that will probably have people who have asked questions already that you are asking. Um, and we need your perspective as well because we're all still going through process. So keep an eye out for those spaces to work that out in community. Also know that you work that out yourself between you and the spirit, but that's a huge part of what this community was created to be, was a place for each of us not only to be accepted in our process, but to have a space, space to safe space to continue to live that out, which is exactly what you're saying. And I'm so glad that it still feels that way to people all these years later. So um, just know that those resources and people and conversations are available. Um, and I think that's it for, for us. So I will, as always, ungraciously end this part of the, the service. Thanks. Thanks.